Oh, good morning, my friends. It is, uh, for me, it is Thursday morning. It's about, uh, yeah, it's a little bit before seven. I just uh, woke up excited to talk to you. This will be for Tuesday morning of next week. Um, so it'll be our Tuesday when we get together. We are still in Colossians 1 and will be for quite a while. Um, I want to kind of go back over verse 19 a little bit. So Colossians chapter 1, let me actually roll it up here in my scripture. I was in Romans there. So look at verse 19, and we talked about it yesterday and um, introduced a couple of Greek words, and I want to kind of do, go over that again to make sure we get it, because sometimes I don't even get it when I say it. So verse 19, for God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we're going to do verses 19 and 20 today. Remember yesterday in verse 19, we introduced a couple of Greek words. One was uh, fullness, pleromo, um, and it meant uh, complete, the sum total of all divine power and attributes. Why is this important? This is a term that, that Paul uses eight times in Colossians, this very word. And it means that everything that was necessary dwelt in Christ. See, uh, remember the Gnostics taught that uh, they they had the secret wisdom, and, and the Gnostics taught that uh, matter was evil, so therefore the flesh was evil, so Jesus couldn't have had a fleshly body, he must have been an emanation from God or some kind of a spiritual being. And they were partly right in the sense that God was in Christ, he was spiritual, but he was also man. Remember John chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus wrapped himself in human flesh. Again, it was addition, not subtraction. He didn't cease to be God. He added humanity to himself, the hypostatic union. So God becomes man. He wraps himself on human flesh, in human flesh, which is absolutely necessary because without that, then he couldn't suffer the penalty for our sins. Look at uh, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 later today. The second word that we looked at yesterday was the word dwell. And uh, the Greek definition of that is to be at home permanently. And we we talked about how Jesus didn't uh, just uh, have on loan from God the attributes that he needed to complete the task for this. Remember John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then down at verse 14 again, we know that transition, God, the word transitioned and adding humanity to himself, he walked out on this earth and paid the price for our sin. And why is it necessary that he did that? Because when man fell, he became at war with God. God wasn't at war with man. God did everything he could to reconcile man to himself. And so he sent his son um, Jesus Christ to fulfill a plan, the plan of redemption, the plan to bring man back. Why? Because God was madly in love with you and me. And God wanted us to spend eternity with him, so he sent Christ. Why couldn't we do this for ourselves? Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, 1 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. We were dead, so we could not do anything to help ourselves. We could not do anything to bring ourselves to back to a relationship with God, this relationship of purity where there was no sin between us 
in man so or in God. So there had to be this price paid, and Jesus became that price. If you have time, read Isaiah chapter 53 today and look at the suffering servant Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, let's look at three verses there for just a moment. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Underline that. Nor can it do so because there's nothing within us that would allow us to do that because our mind is sinful. Verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot ever please God. They cannot please God. We can uh, placate. We can try to to do the do some things that that make us look better in the sight of God. But we never, never, never can do what we need to do because we can't pay the price for our sins. Remember that Jesus Christ is God, and because He is God, He's able to do what no mere man could ever do to reconcile you and I to a holy God. When the first man and woman sinned, as I said, they really truthfully declared their independence. They declared war on God. We will not live according to the really one rule that that God gave them in the garden. And so they fell. But God did not was not surprised by that. We know before the creation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 that God called us, God chose us, and he had a plan. Jesus Christ carried out God's plan. The Holy Spirit uh, now continues that plan by now that he lives within us, and we became the dwelling place of God, and God no longer was external, but now he lives within us. Verse 20, um, back to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, um, is so imperative that we understand this. It's so imperative that um, that we understand the price that Jesus paid for us. Verse 20, and through him, Jesus Christ, he reconciled, reconciled means to bring back together to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. We need to understand something very clearly here that everything in eternity or everything in this world is separated from God outside of the price paid on the cross by Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, we read John chapter four, 1 verse 14 um, where Jesus becomes flesh, wraps himself in human flesh that was necessary. Remember uh, Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15, that Jesus became like his brothers. He became like you and I, wrapped in wrapped in flesh so that he could pay the price for us so that we could have this relationship with God. Um, God is the reconciler. God is the one who um, was da- uh, was uh, uh, was offended by our sin. He was the one that uh, would have to pay the price for our sin. Uh, and so he did that. Not only was God the offender, the one that we sinned against, and uh, he could have held that against us, and there was a price to pay, but he was willing to then offer the price for the sin that you and I did. Everything, God is the one who who starts it. He's the one who goes first. He is the one who wanted us to have a relationship with him. Verse 31 of Romans chapter 8. When 
What then shall we say in response to this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he also intercedes for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall hardship our trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. And then he goes on all the way through verse 39 to say nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection paid that price. But it's also necessary for us to understand that it's also through the life that Jesus lived on this earth. I've I've been focusing on this a little bit lately and I and I hope I'm getting through to you to help you understand that because of what Jesus did in his life as well as in his death, the price of uh, our sins was taken care of because G- God could have just sent Jesus. Jesus could have came immediately as a man died and and he would have paid the price for our sin. The sin would have been satisfied. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What would that righteousness be? What would it look like? It would be that right uh, living that that and that and that sinful uh, a sinless living uh, that Jesus did on this earth for the thirty two thirty three years that he walked on this earth. Jesus lived a completely sinless life, and because of that sinless life, God is able to take that righteousness and apply it to us and apply our sin to Jesus on the cross. Why is that important? Ephesians chapter four, excuse me, Hebrews chapter four tells us why this is important. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus filled the the position of high priest and also as the one who would be sacrificed, who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Verse 15 is critical. He was tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. And therefore, verse 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Turn just a few pages over to 1 Peter, a few pages over to 1 Peter, and we'll look at chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, I hope you hear my pages turning. I just don't write a bunch of scriptures down. I want to turn to these scriptures. I want to learn the scripture as much as you do, hopefully. And I want to 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 give myself a sword drill every day um, and to, to continue to go back and forth through the pages of scripture to, to wear out my Bible uh, so that I can fill my mind with his scripture. First Peter chapter two, verse 24, he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness in his physical body he bore on 
the cross, our sins. He paid a physical price as well as a spiritual price for our sin. By his wounds, you were healed. Many people use this scripture to talk about physical healing. I'm not going to get into that debate here, but what we're talking about in the context here is our spiritual healing. Verse 25, for you were like sheep gone astray, you and I, and now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Now, We need to understand here that returning to Christ or returning to God in relationship is not automatic because he paid the price for our sins. It's not automatic. We have to understand that there is our part in this and our part is to believe that the price has been paid for our sins. Turn to Romans chapter 10 um, verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Let's go to verse 8, 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming to you. So the preaching of the word is going out. So essential that we're not preaching just the wisdom of man. We are preaching the word of God. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Underline Lord, not just a man, not just a prophet, not just a good person, not just a man with a message, but he is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is essential to us that it's not just the birth and the life and the death of Christ. It is also the the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ is proof that the sacrifice that Jesus paid was um, enough It wasn't just partial. It wasn't pretty good. It was enough. God accepted his sacrifice, raised him from the dead. And verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth uh, that you confess and are saved. God did the work that you and I could not do. He paid a price that you and I could not pay. And because of the price that Jesus paid, our sinful mind now can be washed by um, his the price that he paid. Our sinful life can be cleansed by the price that he paid, and we can have access to God through Jesus Christ and our belief in him as the Lord and Savior of our lives. And then when we go back to Ephesians 2, we no longer live by verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. We go down to verses 4 and 5 in that same chapter, Ephesians 2. And now because of what Christ has done and because of that gift and the grace that he shed and because we accept his gift, verse four, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works that any man should boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And notice it's in the past tense. He created works for us to do. And we are his masterpiece completed because Philippians chapter one and verse six says, I'm I'm convinced that the work that God did in us, he will complete the work that God started in us, excuse me, he will 
complete. Let me pray for us. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again.